So we are in a series here called On Fire, On Fire, and we're going after change, not just some little change that can last a short period of time, but lasting change, uh, change that can last an eternity, really, and uh, On Fire. It's pretty easy for us to get psyched up when we see something working in our life, but then as soon as it starts to drift away, we're like, ah, I thought so. And uh, how often do we live the Christian life where we go after this method of growth that in fact only gives short little moments of burst and keeps stealing away the joy or the thunder or the duration of the on-fire nature of it? And uh, why is that happening? Well, it's happening because we're not actually going after it as God designed it in His Word, how He reveals it, and uh, we're going after it on what kind of makes sense to me. You know what I mean? I mean, you think about it, we run into a problem and we're like, all right, here's the next three things I'm going to do, right? And we, we come up with this quick plan and we're trying to kind of drive into it ourselves. We have to be careful of that. Let's make sure we go after it biblically. Let's make sure we let God have his way with us in making this change truly a divine change, okay? So that said, let's throw the triangle up here. It's on uh, page 34 in your books. And I believe that's right, page 34, yeah. So uh, the triangle, this is what we're going to be walking through in this whole series. And, and so the bottom left is encounter. And last week we talked about meeting your God, getting to know who your God is as you meet him in creation. And uh, really just taking a look around in the heavens and the skies, the sun, the moon, the stars, the vastness, the power, the eternal nature of it all. And, and uh, there's certain facets of God's character you can get to know. They call it general revelation, right? That you can get to know through creation. But God gives us more than that so that we can know him, right? God gives us his word. And now we can dig deep into this special revealing of who he is. He's giving us depth to his character, understanding of his passions, his insights, who he is, how he works, all right? So as we dig into God's word, that's kind of what we're going after is, Lord, help me encounter you, okay? So that's the encounter. And all too often, once we've read the encounter pieces, we read something in God's word, we're like, just jump over to the other side and start doing some stuff, right? And engage. Like, let's get going on this. I'm not just going to be a hearer. I'm going to be a doer. And so now we jump in and we start trying to do, but really we're just what we would call muscling it around here. Just going straight from word to action is really a muscling it moment. Why is that? Well, because nothing's actually changed inside. You've gained a little information, but now you're just running out and trying to fake it right? And uh, can we not be a giant fake church? Is everybody good with that? And let's down with fake, man. Let's get into God's word so that we meet him, and then we go up the triangle to exalt. Now we spend some time with him, celebrating him as we worship him. We thank him for who he is. We praise him for who he is. We confess where we're not in alignment. Exaltation. There is huge life change that occurs in exaltation, and we skip over it way too often. Exaltation, it's where we're headed over the next several weeks, and so encountering is, Lord, reveal to me who you are, and then exaltation is bringing it to him and thanking him, praising him, and confessing, and from there, then you jump out to and engage. That is a healthy model towards life change, all right? So today we're in Encounter Him, 
encounter him through his word. So turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 19, verse 7. Psalm 19, we're going to start in verse 7. Last week we did uh, 1 through 6, and so now we're in 7 through 14. And uh, we're going to start in verse 7. So how do I go about encountering God in his word? And uh, this is a psalm from David as he wrote about the word. And uh, let's just read the first part here. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And uh, as David was writing this down in his thoughts towards uh, what he had of God's written word. And remember, this was David who was king in Israel. So truthfully, as he was looking back, he was seeing a very small portion of God's written word that we have today. He was looking at a portion of what was called the law at that time, and he saw the perfection that was coming out. Here's the deal. This is what we have to recognize. As God is, so he then pours out his word that also is. And this is a reflection of his character, and so it's not just the Old Testament or a portion of the Old Testament. It's true for all of God's word. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for doctrine and reproof and instruction and correction, right? You can go after this thing through your God and through his word and all scripture And uh, so this stuff, while true of the Old Testament and true of what David was recognizing, true also of New Testament. And uh, if you go to Hebrews 4.12, it says it is uh, like a double-edged sword, sharp and powerful. And uh, that's God's word, all of God's word. And a huge benefit that we have in being able to dig into it. So here's some words that he gave for uh, his word. The law. This is a a reference to the Old Testament portion, God's word, that gave some level of understanding of how to interact with this God, how to go about interacting with him. That's the law. And uh, it says the law, the testimony of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord. This is actually the revealing of who he is. Did you know that? As you read scripture, you are actually beginning to grasp who your God is, how he thinks, what he values, what his character is. The testimony of the Lord is wrapped up in these words as we get to know of him and uh, the testimony of the Lord and uh, the precepts of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord. This is the principles, the the, uh, values, if you will, of God. And then uh, the commandments, this is the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots, Right? The thou shalt and the thou shalt not. And, uh, and then I love this part, as he says, the fear of the Lord. A lot of times when we hear that, when he's talking about fear in Scripture, he's talking about what's in our heart. But here he's talking about a great definition for the collected words of God. is called fear. And uh, as you lift it up, it's like this teaches me how to awe and how to have respect for my king. How to have a healthy biblical fear of him. And uh, this is the words that lead us there. And then the rules. And uh, how often do we hear that where we're like, rules, great. All right? And there's something in us that pushes back. I don't want to hear rules. 
And we're okay if there's like bigger, loftier words for it, you know, commandments. But if we hear the rules, oh, come on, I want to bust out against that. And why is that? Well, remember, if we go back to our heart model, uh, one of the quadrants of the heart is self-rule, right? Self-rule. And self-rule doesn't want others to rule, right? Kind of obvious. And so we start pushing back against these rules that God has. But I'm telling you, these are value statements from God. These are boundaries or principles that he's put in place. And he's not saying don't, right? As much as he's saying don't hurt yourself. Have you heard that James McDonald statement before? He's not saying don't as much as he's saying don't hurt yourself. This is some boundaries that I have in place that make sense. Look, this isn't all just a giant felt need book. Right? It's not just about me. This is, Lord, how can I glorify you? Right? But I'm just telling you, it also does have value for us today. All right. So that said, those are some of the names. Um, so here we go. Point number one is head. Know your king, know his word. Head. Know your king, know his word, right? And so now, Lord, help me to know you and help me to know your word in the midst of it. May you truly be revealed to me as I dive into this. Lord, help me dive into what is the, the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandment, the fear, the rules. Lord, may I get to know you as I get to know your word. Know him, your king, and know his word. And, uh, all right. So... As we move on here to the other pieces of it, notice we've had the nouns we kind of looked at with words like the law, but look what it says about it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, perfect. There is no error. There is no error in Scripture. It is what would be the bigger word, inerrant. Uh, do you believe that? Right. So this is a big moment. Because if we really believe it, then it's going to change how we look at it. And the word of God, it is without error. And uh, now hear me on this. Some of you are like, I don't know, man. I bought this Bible one time. And the printing press messed up. And like two pages were skipped. It was crazy. And so my Bible was with error. And uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about man-made printing presses and all that stuff. We're talking about as God worked with man and gave them kind of working together, the inspiration together, and they recorded in that original language there that was without error, all right? And a huge deal that we have this translation from God, transmission from God to a man of what he has and what he thinks without error. This is God's thought. And... Um, Okay, perfect, reviving the soul. I love that phrase for two reasons. One is what it does, but the first is it actually says where we're at. We need reviving, right? How often we walk through this world and we think we kind of have it together and we're playing some game with ourselves, but we literally are in need of CPR to the soul, literally in need of some of this going on, right? And uh, what's doing that? The perfection of God's word, reviving the soul, bringing hope, bringing a faith and a trust, bringing a we're looking to God and longing for him to step in in a mighty way and we see who you are and revives the soul, man. 
as we start to see who God is and how he's going to work and who he is at work in this world. And uh, the testimony of the Lord, we talked about that, is sure, like straight and, and trustworthy, okay, to be depended upon. It says, making wise the simple. Uh, in other words, it can even make the person who's like a really big ding-dong look pretty much together. That's what it's saying. Like, I'm just telling you, if you're a ding-dong, you have a little hope. <laughs> right? God's Word can literally make us wise. And that word simple, it actually is one of the five words that was used for fool. Remember when we looked at that back in foolishness? Simple, it means you don't get it, but actually you think you do get it. So you really think you're kind of all that as you think you've got the knowledge base. And then you start reading and you're like, oh, never mind. I totally did not understand this. And uh, the simple can literally be made wise as you begin to read God's word while you were born needing some information. God's provided that information for you. That's what it's saying. You can be made wise. You can literally start to get how this world works and how God works and what you should be in the midst of it, even though it wasn't born innately in you. Praise God for that. And uh, so it's sure, making wise the simple. And then the precepts of the Lord are right. Have you ever noticed how much humanity wants to be right? We defend it. Like, we're, we act a certain way, and then someone comes up and challenges, and we're like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. You see what happened was, right? The first thing we do is we go defensive. Like, you got to understand what was really going down. Or, or here's how my, this is my explanation of what happened, right? You need to understand, this is who I am, and this is why I'm like, this is what's going on. See, so I'm right in this, and it really matters to us to be right, and we try to stand in the midst of rightness and Notice what it actually says the result of right is. Truly right before God. There's a rejoicing of the heart. There's a joy that comes in it. We are designed innately to be right. Man, it's not even humanity. It's like our dog cares to be right. And uh, yesterday our dog was trying to get some paper off of a table. And uh, Toby reached up on the table and he pulls it off. I don't know why he wanted that piece of paper significantly, really. Pulls it down, tears a piece off, starts chewing on it. And I walk over, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? No. And he stops and he looks up at me. And then he goes. <laughs> and like tries to spit it out. And like I take it off of him. And then he like runs around in circles like, I'm cool, right? I'm good now, right? We're right with each other, right? It, like it mattered to him. That's a dog, man. How much more humanity. We do rejoice when we're in the right, there's something in it to understand what God wants and where he's headed and that we can get in alignment with that. There's a rejoicing that occurs in the heart. And uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure. And uh, there is nothing added. There is no ingredient that doesn't belong. It is unbelievably pure. And uh, this is much like the word perfect. And uh, imagine when you... Like if you have glasses, maybe you have real glasses or maybe you have sunglasses and you go to put them on, right? And it actually, somebody has grabbed them before, maybe it was you, and you grabbed the lens as you picked it up. So now there's a couple of smudge marks all over it, right? And so as you put them on, you're like, what in the world? 
and you can't really see much, and it's a little blurry. There's so many smudge marks. You take it back off, and you rub it with some kind of cotton or some kind of fabric, right, to get it off, and now you put it back on, and smudge-free, you're like, whoa, now we're talking. Now I can see, right, or now you got your sunglasses on, and not only have you blocked a little bit of the sun, but you can actually see clearly so you don't hurt someone when you're driving, right? Literally, it helps you to have the smudge That's what he's saying here. Like, I'm just telling you the word of God. It's pure. It's like smudge-free, and it enables you to see in an unbelievable way, enlightening the eyes, like glasses that have been cleaned up, and you're starting to get it as God delivers it. And, uh, And the fear of the Lord, this awe and respect, it's clean. It endures forever. Literally, there's a perfection and an endurance that occurs as we rightly respect God and grasping how to respect him. It's going to be true for all of eternity. Heaven-bound man is going to be the same words and same statements on the fear of the Lord. And the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Our God is absolutely righteous. And uh, I love that he delivers to us what we need to know and how we need to know it. And, uh, so... Um, Go way back now, years back. Remember when we used to drive around and when we drove, we'd actually need this paper thing that you'd unfold called a map? Remember that? And we'd like take this map and you unfold it all the way out and you're like, you're like, okay, baby, where do we need to go? Right? And the thing is huge. And you're trying to read the thing and then you hand it to them and they're trying to read it and it's kind of almost reaching over. Those things were dangerous. You almost had to pull over to use a map. You know what I mean? And so you're like trying to figure things out in the map and where it's at. And have you ever noticed that we tend to get a little less attentive to north, south, east, and west now that we have GPS? Like, I don't know. I just go where it tells me. Like, you're not even sure which way is north anymore. You're just driving. You know, you just do what it says, right? But with the map, you actually had to have some knowledge of where you were headed and all that. And and, uh, we decided, actually, we were headed somewhere with the GPS. This was a couple years ago. It was still getting perfected a little bit, but we were headed somewhere with the GPS, and uh, it actually was leading us towards someone's house. We were going to visit. We had never been there before, and uh, as we were driving in, well, it was getting clearly worse and worse of an area that we were driving into. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, you know, in 300 feet, turn right, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you bet I'll be turning right, right? And then you turn right, and now it's getting, like, worse. And I'm like, baby, get the pistol, right? I don't know. We got nothing. We don't carry a pistol in our car, I'm just saying. So, you know, I'm like, ah, it's getting worse, man. Turn the corner again, and then there's people standing out on the street, and they're watching us drive by like, they are so lost. You know, have you ever had one of those moments? You're like, you don't belong, and they know you don't belong, and they're really telling you with body language and posture. And then it gets to a point where it's like, make a U-turn. And you're like, I knew it. We're not in the right place at all. Here we go. U-turn, right? Now we're going back the other way. Now it starts taking us somewhere totally else. And it's like a quarter mile up or a mile up, turn right and whatever. And, and you're like, where is this thing going? Right? And it keeps taking us out and out. We end up turning. It finally has a stop. And it says, Basically, you've arrived at your destination, and we're like, no, we really haven't. And then it says, get out of the car and walk across the field to your destination. (laughs) Have you ever had that happen to you? 
Dude, I'm telling you, the GPS told us to get out of the car and walk. Is that not giving up? They're like, I don't know. Just get out and walk. Just give it a shot. I don't know. It's over there somewhere. I don't know where the roads are. I can't find it. Just go. You go. You try, right? What is that? I'd never heard that one before. And, and um, I, somebody who was typing that in when they were coding, it was like, this will be hilarious. When the guy gets this one, he's going to, it's just going to be hilarious. Right? I don't, hey man, the word of God is not GPS. It's not almost right or kind of right, but makes a ton of mistakes along the way. It doesn't get us into trouble and can't get us out, and it has no idea how to bring us all the way home. That is not God's word. Everybody say, that's not God's word. Man, God's word, it is true and right. It is pure and perfect. Never a mistake in it. God's word on fire, direct, purposeful. It reveals the greatness of our king that we might know him, not know about him, that we might know him personally. Man, I I love this song that we sang here this morning. We can have a holy moment with our God. Man, the word of God, it is not about pouring into so you can get a bunch of facts so that if there's ever a quiz on the Bible, you can pass it and look like you know what you're talking about. It's not that. It's, Lord, may I meet you. May I be blown away with you. May I know you personally, right? So a question for you. Do you respect God's word? Do you respect God's word? Like to the point where if you were writing down what you thought of God's word, you'd be like at the level David is at and what he's writing. Do you respect God's word? Do you know God's word? Are there passages of scripture you're beginning to get more familiar with? You're beginning to pour over and say, Lord, teach me. I need to know your word. And now the biggest. Are you getting to know God more through his word? That's our job. To encounter him. And bring him glory as we learn from him and learn of him and then track with him. That we might know him. Do you know your God through the word? Okay, that's the first point. That's head. Second, heart. Heart. Desire your king, desire his word. Heart. Desire your king, desire his word. So we've gotten the head, now we're getting the heart. And that we're going after this desire piece. Notice what he says here. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Like, dude, when it comes to finance, take the richest of the rich. Take the most pure of gold you can find. They can buy unbelievable amounts of stuff. And yes, trade that off for God's word. Massive power and potential in your life as God is revealing the depths of who he is. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, right? How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. It's Romans chapter 11, celebrating God at work with Jew and Gentile together. And hear me, he's revealing his wisdom here in his word, priceless and financial. Yeah, there's nothing that equates to God and his word. And, uh, more to be desired are they than gold and much fine gold. Yes, than the finances and, uh, and yes, than food. It says, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Now, 
When I say honeycomb today, most people think of cereal, don't you? Like honeycomb, that big yellow box, right? And uh, if you have kids, you maybe know what I'm talking about. And uh, we don't really know about the honeycomb that much. We don't do much with it. But back then, the biggest sweet that you could have was getting a hold of an active honey, uh, this, this honeycomb, and being able to take the honey out of it while it's still moist and rich and sweet. It was unbelievable. And it was like one of the highest desserts you could have. And he's like, I'm just telling you, whatever food you're thinking of, priceless, more priceless than that. And, uh, you know, they lived in an era where they didn't have some of the high sweet that we have, right? And so you could think of sweeter things, right? You're like sweet tarts, right? They're just in this little pack. You pick them up and there's like sweet, a little delectable sweet right there for you, right? Or uh, how about this one? What's with these pixie sticks, right? It's like raw sugar, right? And so most of the kids are like, they're awesome, right? And they knew that, so they made giant pixie sticks, right? The big, huge plastic things, and, and when you pour it in, it's like cocaine. It is unbelievable the sugar kick that comes off of that stuff. I don't know what's in that thing, man. That is ridiculous amounts of sugar. And, and I'm just telling you, whatever it is that's your thing, okay, what, what is your food? What is your thing? And, and I'm okay if it's not pixie sticks, all right? What is your food that you're like, this is awesome? What is that for you? And, uh, that's good. I appreciate you answering that, Tim. Thanks. For Tim, it's barbecue. And, uh, and seriously, it really is like, whatever it is for you, get real on it. Think about it. For, for David, he's like, oh, that honey, man. And, uh, and the word of God is way better. And I'd give it up any time to be able to get a hold of the word of God, a desire and a value. Notice he says, moreover, moreover, like over and above, moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them is great reward. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them is great reward. He's like, I'm just telling you, while this is about honoring God and making much of him, please, everybody say, much of him. That's what this is all about in the end, but here's the reality. In going after this, we literally have benefit to self. There is a warning that tells us, hey, you don't want to go down that path. Dude, I'm just telling you, there is a lot of hurt down that path. Warning, right? Be careful. Yellow sign out in whatever shape it's needed to be for you, right? And warning. And uh, more than that, reward. And when we obey and when we follow through and when we let God's word actually lead us, there is benefit to our lives. Just so you know, he's like, there is great benefit in being able to track with the word of God. God's word, it is unbelievably powerful. And it is amazingly transforming. And all too often we set it down and we really don't have the view of it that we need to have. So, uh, about a week or two ago, my wife and I um, counseled a couple. Uh, we did not know them. We've gotten to know them now as we talked, but um, they did not come to the church here. We don't do that very often, but this was a very unique circumstance, and there was some tough, tough things going on. They had a daughter uh, who um, got cancer, and uh, in her teens was diagnosed with it, and uh, it went on rough 
for a couple years there, and uh, the daughter ended up passing away about two years ago. And then they have been wrestling for two years. And, uh, and it's not easy. This world is broken. And the hurt is massive that can come in this world. We all get that, right? This world is broken. You know? Just say it with me. This world's broken. It is, man. And, and how do I process in the midst of this broken world, and how do I handle this? As we sat down and talked to them, really, we just listened for a good amount of time and heard where they were coming from, heard where both the husband and the wife were hurting and what was going on and what they were struggling with. And, and um, just honestly, a quote, I just thought it would have been better by now. And it's been a couple years, and it's just not getting better. And, and so... It was good for us to be able to share and relate. I know, you know, my sister passed away, and so we could talk at that level, and some of the things you're going through, that, that, that's normal, and, and that's a part, it's either normal or, or I'm abnormal and you're abnormal with me, right? It's one of the two, we're, but together in this, we are, and we're hurting through this. It's, it's normal to go through what you're going through, and as we're walking through it together, and as there's some tears welling up, and we're getting real talking with each other, it just became kind of clear, you know what we probably need to set down here is, we'll use the big words first, a theology of suffering. And now let's use the small words now. And what does God want us to be doing in the midst of this broken world where he's honored and glorified when we're in a desert? What's the plan? How does this work? And uh, as we began to talk and interact, we walked through Romans chapter 8 starting at verses 18 and going to 30. And I'm just telling you, you want a great theology of suffering. Those are some knockout verses to grasp who your God is and what he's doing in this desert, broken place called the world. All right? And we just started walking through it. It starts, I memorized in the King James, so I'll be quoting King James a little here. But For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Get this. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed. Are you hearing this? Not worthy. Amen. Man, I'm just telling you, little, nothing compared to the massive glory of what God's going to be doing. And, and we barely understand that. We can barely grasp the perfection of what God's going to usher in for us. We don't deserve it. It's going to be stunning. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed. And uh, in the midst of tasting of this heartache, your daughter is tasting of that glory already. Just let me tell you, that's nice, but that doesn't help. It still hurts, man. And, uh, and we continue to walk through the passage. And you get to verses 24 to 26, and it starts talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. And I just love this statement. It says that when you are without words, the Holy Spirit groans for you. Right? You getting that? When you are wordless, and I looked at him and I said, have you found yourself wordless in the midst of this struggle? And both of them just kind of 
tears welled up in the eyes, and she had a few tears run down her cheek, and they're like, oh, yeah. I mean, you get to this point where as you're wrestling with the weight of the struggle, you literally are coming before God with, Lord, Nothing. And wordless before God. And here's what it says. It is at that moment that the Holy Spirit groans for you on your behalf. The God of the universe, Holy Spirit, God Almighty, he is declaring forth for you. This is our little one. And we love them with all we've got. As he's crying out to the Father and crying out to God the Son, words we don't know. And so the best they could describe it is as groaning, and that's it. He is declaring forth things that are true and things that will be done and ways that they are in this. And God's got plan and God's got purpose and he is right here with you. In the moments of wordlessness, that is not hopelessness. That's the moment where the Holy Spirit is picking up on your behalf and crying out for you, Him for you. Man, that's some powerful stuff. As we go to God's Word and we can encounter our King. We talked a little bit more about where they're at and, and what some of this means. And, and um, please hear me. And uh, these words as they went home are, were a slight lift, right? A little bit of bounce in the step. And that's, that's all at the moment, right? It's a moment where you're still walking through the wilderness, and God sometimes chooses to walk us around, but most often through, still through. But the words quoted were, there's hope. I see hope from these verses. And I see my God coming alongside. And, uh, and that's the power of God's word in our life in a very tangible moment. What are you going through? What is it you're wrestling with? What perspective are you seeking? What do you wish was more clear? Maybe God's got something where he's going to reveal to you the grandeur of who he is. And as you open up the word, you can be stunned with who he is in this moment of your life. You see, the Holy Spirit crying out for us when we have no words, there's times where it may not feel like that. And if all we did is go off of feelings, imagine where our theology goes, right? Lord, may I not listen to my feelings. May I listen to your word. Reveal to me. Reveal to me who you are. May I know you, and may I long for you, 
And I cry out to be able to grasp who you are. God's word at work in our lives. And um, man, he brings hope. He brings truth. And he brings the reality of his character into your life wherever you're at. Long for it with all you've got. Simple question for you. Are you ready to long to hear from your king and grasp his character and perspective? Are you ready to long to hear for your, from your king? Man, stop going to the word, just doing the little check the box, feel good. I did my devotional for the day, wherever we came up with that word, devotional, right? I don't even know what the word exactly means. It's supposed to be like I devoted the time to him, but in fact, I'm ignoring him the whole time, and I'm reading this so I can prove that I've done something. Can we be done with that plan? Down with fake church. And all of God's people said, Lord, I am ready to be stunned by you right now. Rock me. I want to know you like I never have before. I want to know you. Long desire to know him and desire to know his word, all right? So first is head as we know his word. Second is heart as we desire his word. And third is the will. Follow your king, follow his word. Follow your king, follow his word. He says here, who can discern his errors? I love that. David's just being real, man. He's like, seriously, which one of us actually doesn't have blind spots? Right? Who, who can figure out where they're actually wrong? We all need help in it. And uh, declare me innocent from hidden faults. He's like, Lord, I want to stand before you forgiven innocent here of the hidden faults, hidden even from me. Like, I never knew that was wrong. I never knew I was thinking wrong or doing wrong in this way. And Lord, reveal it and heal it and forgive me. And uh, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden uh, faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Presumptuous sin. Here's what I love. When we talk about sin, it's like God saying, hey, this here is wrong. Right? This is wrong. And then we look at it and we go, well, it may not glorify God, but it'll feel good to me. I'm in. Is that not the definition of presumptuous? Stepping into what you know will not glorify your king because it'll feel good in the moment for you. Lord, keep me from that. That's what he's saying. Lord, keep me from that, from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Lord, may I not be ruled by my sins. May there be a self-control that comes as your spirit heals my soul, right? And uh, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Blameless and innocent of great transgression. Please hear me. The secret here is not perfection. The secret here is forgiveness. You grasping it? He's like, then I will be blameless and innocent. It is not, do you see how unbelievably perfect I am? I am blameless because of my own action. It's not, everybody say not that. It's not that. It's not I'm perfect. It's Lord, you are forgiving. And I have hope in you. I never knew this part of you. 
And I long for you to take over even more. Blameless and innocent of great transgression. Lord, keep the sin off me. I continue to glorify you. Show me and teach me who you are. The prayer of one worshiping and confessing along the way, right? And uh, so here's my request. Let's dive in and get to know God's word. And uh, so here's three steps to knowing God's word. And there's a lot of different ways to go at it. And uh, I'm just going to give you one right here that can get you started, all right? Three steps. Number one, uh, pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal. Start with it and get real on it. Pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal. It goes like this. Father God, I know this is your word and I know you wrote it. I want to meet you. Holy Spirit, please show me now what I need to see to know you deeper. Do you hear that? A very specific request. John chapter 16 says that he illuminates, he guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit does. Man, lean on him. Cry out for the Holy Spirit to have his way. Do not make this a checked box. Make this a moment where you've met with your God, as the song said, a holy moment between you and your king. All right, so first, this prayer, uh, Holy Spirit reveal. And then, really two steps in your reading. The first is, uh, so this is the second step here total. Uh, Who is my God? Just be able to answer that question. Who is my God from this passage? When you're looking at a scripture, don't get caught up in all the details and lose track of your main goal is, who are you, God? Who are you from this passage? What do I learn about your character? What do I learn about your values, about your purpose, about your vision, about your plans, about your love, about your holiness? What am I learning, God? Right? Lord, teach me about you. Who are you? And then the third one is how should I respond? How should I respond? And um, who is my God? How should I respond? Very basic. It'll dig you deep into that word. Some of you are like, dude, I'm kind of already there. I'd love to dig a little deeper. Let me throw this over the top. You want to add a little more? You could do this as you're like, who are you, God? Look for all the action words in there. For those who like English, those are called verbs. Look all, look all the action words and get them, find them, write them down. Look at action words or, or look at some power words, power statements, and get those written down, right? Just understand a little bit more as you're writing it down. And then here's one that has really been huge for me. Take the passage and now rewrite it in your own words, in your own vocabulary, how would you say that? See, all too often we get caught up in Christianese. You know what I mean by that? You know, where you read words in the Bible and you're like, right. But if you had to define it, you have no clue. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, what would I say about that? What would I do about that? And it causes you to look some things up and dig a little deeper. And you're writing it in your own vocabulary. What you are not doing is changing the passage to be what you want it to be. That's called heresy, right? We all good with that? We're not changing it to be what we want. We're trying to echo it in our own vocabulary. This is how I would say this. This is who he is, right? Those are some great dig deeps. You look for the action words. You re- rephrase it in your own words. And, uh, but get back to who, who is my God? 
how should I respond? Two very simple things. And then I'd ask you this, just write it down. Maybe it's three, four sentences, five sentences, maybe it's one paragraph where you just write real quickly, I've learned this about my God today, and here's how I will respond to him. It will rock your world. I'm just telling you, it will rock your world. You're like, it seems so simple, what's going on? I am telling you, if you spend time before your God, humble and confessing and trusting and then letting him do a work in you and you're writing out what you're learning about him and then what you should be doing in response, it will change how you look at God's word forever, all right? Dig into God's word, encounter him in the word. And I don't know where to start. Dude, start with the reading plan that we've got in the book. If you have no other place, use the reading plan and just walk through it. It will then echo what we're actually talking about each Sunday. And you can go through that. If you've got something else or something bigger, great, go after that. That's one place to start, though, is the reading plan. And just walk through it, all right? By the way, it's not wrong to do a small number of verses. Somewhere in our upbringing, we got trained like, you got to dig deep and hard, man. And uh, did, how many chapters did you do today? Can we not? Like, seriously, if you pick up a handful of verses and you go like bold to bold, you know what I'm talking about? Like those little headings in your New American Standard or your ESV or your NIV where it kind of summarizes, just go bold to bold and just do that and see what God has for you, all right? And uh, who is my God? How should I respond? All right. Notice how he responds then in verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, shape my heart, change it, right? Because we all know if we're trying to change our lips, it's no good unless the heart changes, right? And so he called it out. He's like, Lord, change my lips, but more than that, change my heart because that's what's really needed. And uh, Lord, transformation, please. Notice, how should I respond? Lord, you take over. And he's handing it to him. And then he says, um, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. O oh Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Yahweh, the great I am, the one who is from eternity past to eternity future. O oh Yahweh. Notice he's using the names of the God he's encountered as he's been in writing this. O oh Yahweh, my rock, my personal rock. You do not move. You are perfect, and I trust in you. My Redeemer, Savior, I have hope in you. Because you've gone to the cross and risen, I have that. David didn't even have that understanding. He barely could grasp the forgiveness that God had in store as he looked through these sacrifices and what they may have meant. We get to look back and understand him for me. My rock. And my Redeemer, man, I'm telling you, there is no greater way to end your time in the Word by saying, what are a few words that I could call out to him about who he is? Oh, Lord, my rock, my Redeemer, I'm stunned by your Word and by who you are. Amen. And it's a killer close to a, a power time in the Word. That's what it looks like to encounter God in his word. And all of God's people said, let's pray.